0: Some of y'all were wondering what I was wearing, because I was hiding behind that right there. Y'all, it was like a Wilson moment, if you remember the, the whole uh, Tool Time show. But uh, So here I am. <laughs> um, I'm excited to introduce to you again, for those of you who had not already met him, uh, Ben Schuller is our guest this week, all the way from Anderson, Indiana. That's north of Indianapolis, if you're kind of wanting to figure that out on a map. And if you're familiar at all with um, Church of God, at least our, our, our version of it, uh, then, then we kind of hail from Anderson, Indiana. That's kind of where our headquarters are and, and, uh, and where all the people who lead the movement um, live and work. And Ben is one of those people. And so I just kind of wanted to share just a little bit about him. He'll he'll share a little bit about his, his family and that kind of thing. But I just want to mention that uh, we are we are blessed to have him. I think those of you who have been here the last couple of nights already feel that way. And I think the rest of you will in a moment. But, uh, but I just want to kind of share what his role is. He's the director of global strategy for Church of God Ministries. And what that basically means is that he kind of coordinates... Our, uh, our cross-cultural missionary ministries around the globe. and that means he travels a lot. <laughs> that means that he has a lot of uh, probably Skyping and, and phone calls as well. and uh, he uh, stays busy because we have uh, about three times as many people in the Church of God or outside of the United States as we do inside the United States. So he's a, he's a busy man. He travels a lot. He gives up a lot of time with his family to serve the Lord in this way. And we are blessed that he would carve out time in his calendar to be here with us in West Monroe this weekend. He'd never even been to Louisiana before, so we showed him a cypress tree Mm -hmm. and uh, gave him some seafood, and so he's good. Mm -hmm. Um, Another role that he has, though, that I thought I would mention is that in the Church of God, we're kind of undergoing a lot of changes as a movement, as a, as a group of churches. You know, Our churches, like ours, are, are very autonomous, but we are affiliated with this movement that is um, you know, going on 150 years old before long. And, and so uh, you know, we are uh, part of this group of churches that identify together and, and are trying to make Jesus the subject here in America and around the world. And so one of the things that, that happened is we, like many other church groups, uh, most church groups, in fact, in America, no matter whether they're a large church group uh, that everybody's heard of or, or a smaller one, a lot of them are trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to deal with the changes in our society with the growing number of people who are kind of defecting from church and, and dealing with that? How can we reach our culture today? And so there was a wake-up call a few years ago as the ministries council that's kind of over the whole movement said had a consulting firm come in and look at the church of God as a whole and they basically what they found and said was that look we've never seen a church or an organization period so close to death and yet so wanting to live and so it was kind of this thing of um, if you do something now there is hope for this organization um, but, but the situation is serious and so they hired general director Jim Lyon about what about 3 years ago uh, about the same time that I was coming here to be the pastor and and uh, and he his mandate from them was to bring sweeping change to the movement to do a lot of things different in hopes of reaching new people and revitalizing our churches and so uh, that's a huge challenge and he brought in an executive team to help him with that and so not only does Ben wear the hat of global missions, but he also sits at the table to talk about the movement as a whole and what do we need to do and so I mention all that to, to kind of share so you can have an idea of what he does and, the, and kind of the magnitude of it for the church of God but also so that we can be informed in how we pray for him and we'll pray uh, later in the service for him but for him and all the leaders there as they have a huge undertaking in their hands just as we too have a huge undertaking right here in West Monroe and so we want to be partners in prayer with them even as they pray for us and uh, so again Ben we are grateful uh, to have you here this weekend and we know your schedule is busy and so it's, uh, um, we're humbled to, that you'd be willing to come and share with us and uh, we're going to show a, a greeting to you from the Millers uh, they're missionaries that we support they're located out of Bolivia and you can read a little bit more about them in your faith promise budget but we're going to play this greeting video from them and then Ben will come and share with us
1: Living Link Partners We're Barbara and Dave Miller, and we're bringing you special greetings from Cochabamba, Bolivia.
2: As Church of God regional missionaries in Latin America, we'd like to share with you a little bit of what God has been doing in our ministry in the last year, looking forward to 2017. We were on the road a lot in 2016, literally crisscrossing Latin America from Guatemala to the Southern Cone. We serve as regional coordinators for the church planting network of the Luzon Movement. This ministry has a passion for raising up the next generation of church planters. We believe church planting is the most effective strategy under heaven to win lost people to Jesus and build them into his disciples.
1: God opened doors for us to lead conferences and forums with nearly 700 leaders of churches, missions, and denominations from Central America to cities across Brazil. In August, I was privileged to serve as a mentor at Lausanne's Young Leaders Gathering in Jakarta, Indonesia. It was a humbling experience to mentor young leaders from Africa, Europe, the Middle East, as well as the Americas.
2: The Church of God in Latin America is itself raising up a new generation of leaders with a passion to make disciples through planting churches. Some of them joined us in Luzon Forums. Another 150 Church of God leaders from 12 countries gathered in Lima and Guatemala City this year for international Kingdom Worker Forums. Five years ago, we launched the 220 Challenge, aimed at planting disciple-making churches and strategic communities. Since then, 84 new Church of God congregations have sprung up across the region and more than 7,100 believers have been added to the church. To God be the glory.
1: When at home in Bolivia, we're involved in the work God's doing here. The Church of God is growing steadily in the Andes, particularly among the youth. It's nice to be able to work with good friends and colleagues, Paul and Katia Jones. In April, Bolivia will host the 35th Inter-American Conference, and is gearing up for visitors from all over the region. It's not all work. We also got to play in 2016, mainly with our kids and grandkids, when passing through the U.S. Visits to aging parents were a priority whenever we got close to our home in Indiana. Our son Ben and his girlfriend, Joanna Cortez visited us in Bolivia in July. That was a rare treat for us empty nesters. Please stop by and see us yourselves whenever you're in the neighborhood.
2: Meanwhile, we're looking forward to seeing more lost people come to Christ and more new congregations come to life in 2017. God is not finished yet. Thank you once again for partnering with us in the Great Commission. We could not do this without living link partners like you praying us through. Let us know how we can pray for you in 2017. After all, we're all in this together..
3: Yeah, was good. Good morning. Uh, I'm Ben Schuler, as Pastor Neil has, has introduced me, and and uh, I work out of Church of God Ministries. I am responsible for directing the global strategy work, and as Pastor Neil has kindly um, talked about kind of the role that I have there, I'll just tell you, it, it sounds big because it is, but it's, I'll be the first to admit it's beyond me. It is, it is a bigger responsibility than I can do. And so I rely on uh, the Lord's direction on a daily basis and daily pray for discernment through that process and would would really appreciate uh, your prayers through that too. Uh, I've just had a wonderful weekend. I want to tell you, I don't know if if everybody's been at at the different events uh, this weekend on Friday night and last night and this morning on Sunday school, but I've just really felt welcomed and really been a privilege for me to come here and visit. I do travel a lot for my job. I think somebody asked me how much I fly. I flew 125,000 miles last year, and so I spend a lot of time in the airplane. Um, time away from my family, but i 'm excited to be here and know that it 's really important to uh, network and to be able to just fellowship with great partners like Cypress street and uh, So thanks for having me here today it 's really great. Um, today, uh, as we talk about um, what the Church of God is doing, changing the world to help Jesus uh, be the subject uh, i 'm excited to be able to share in your faith promise. I mentioned earlier, and I've I've shared with the other groups, uh, I've got one wife, Kelly, and uh, three boys. Noah, I think a picture might come up of them. And uh, we worked uh, with the Church of God in Tanzania for eight years, working on uh, education-based ministries that were really focused on indigenous sustainability, getting Tanzanians into the roles of leadership in those programs and uh, helping... uh, staying there uh, while that empowering kind of phase took place. And and then we transitioned back from uh, Tanzania, and, and those transitions have been have been good. Our family grew uh, one more child since we've been back. We have uh, our third son, and uh, that, that was kind of an experience in itself and, and a real blessing for us. I told a story about my son Noah uh, last night. I'm going to tell another one this morning because he gives us a lots of stories. You know, kids do that. But... Uh, when my wife was pregnant, um, with, and a lot of people say, no, you're supposed to say we were pregnant. Well, I'm telling you, my wife went through a whole lot more than I did in that process, so I'm kind of giving her the credit on this. But uh, uh, So when my wife was pregnant with our third son, uh, we're getting closer to the due date. And so one morning, uh, I was getting um, my boys ready for school, and Noah was up, and I'm, I'm feeding him breakfast, and I don't know. He was probably six at the time, or seven. He's about seven at the time. And uh, so I'm making him breakfast, and I said, "Hey, buddy, you know we got another brother coming soon." And I said, "Dad's going to have to pick a name for him." I said, uh, "You think you could help me pick a name uh, for our new brother?" And he said, "Okay." And I said, "Well, I'd I'd like it to be a biblical name." And uh, he said, "Well, what about Peter?" And I said, "Well, Peter, that's a good name. I like Peter." You know, I know a lot of people with the name Peter. Is there a name that we could pick, maybe that is not as common? Maybe a maybe a biblical name that we just we don't we don't even know anybody else with that name. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So he grabs his his uh, plate of breakfast as he's. I can see him kind of processing this, and he walks around the corner. At the time, we were in a home where the wall divided the dining room and and the kitchen, and I can hear him talking to himself as he walks over. And uh, he says, a name in the Bible that we don't hear a lot or know somebody. And he goes, well, there is Satan. <laughs> and I froze. And I'm just waiting. <laughs> okay, do I need to go talk to him? Or And then he continued to process this, uh, thankfully verbally, so I knew what he was thinking. And uh, he's talking to somebody he says, but... He's kind of a bad guy, so I don't think we should use that name. And uh, so anyways, that was, that was good to know that he knows that Satan's a bad guy and that he's after us. But um, also it was just kind of funny how kids process things verbally. And so we settled on the name Judah. So we have a Noah, a Jonah, and a Judah, and kind of an Old Testament theme there. And uh, they're good. They're great. Um, great, great family. I'm really blessed and um, blessed to have a wife that is understanding to my role. And, um, and she just perseveres on as I'm on the road. And so probably um, pray for her a lot too. Because as our boys are getting older, I think that that part is getting more and more uh, uh, hard on her. But um, that's good. And the Lord provides. And we're thankful for that. While we were in Tanzania, our, our call was to work, as I said, with these education based ministries and really focus on indigenous sustainability and empowering people. And it really uh, ties into the mission uh, statement that we have for global strategy, and that is that we uh, are connect local passion and strategic global partnerships. So we're all about being a connecting agent, we're all about um, being that connector that we take local passion that can be here in West Monroe, or it can be in Cochabamba, Bolivia, where the Millers are, or it can be in Katak, India, or it can be in Babati, Tanzania, where we talked about this morning. But there, the Holy Spirit is there creating passion in people's lives to put other people's needs above their own. And so we want to help connect that local passion in a strategic way in these global partnerships. And so that is our mission that we, that we strive on. Today I want to talk about uh, the heart of a servant as it ties into faith promise. You know, the 6th chapter of Luke tells us that no good tree can produce bad fruit. And no bad tree can produce good fruit. A tree is known by the fruit that it produces. You see, it doesn't matter what name or title that we give a tree. It's known by the fruit that it produces. So you could, if you want, put in apple sign onto an orange tree and maybe some people for a period of time, they would believe that that might be an apple tree. But see, the fruit of that tree comes from its core, from its very nature, from the inside. It doesn't really care what signboard or or, or title is on the front. And so when that tree starts to produce oranges, even if the the signboard says apple, what are people going to know that tree as? An orange tree. That's right. Because a tree is known by the fruit it produces. You see, oranges can only come from orange trees. And apples can only come from apple trees. And in the same way, the fruit of the Spirit can only come from a Christian. Whose nature is rooted and heart is rooted and established in Jesus Christ. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, Faithfulness, self-control, those are not faked on the outside. Those can only come. uh, People know that we are Christians and have those when that's the fruit that our actions produce. The evidence of the commitments that we have. It doesn't matter what titles that we are given or that we proclaim ourselves in the world. People will know what we are and what we're about and who we are. By the fruit that our life produces. I think that um, as Christians, we want to strive to be like Christ. That's, that's a very definition of a Christian. And so as we want to be like Christ, I think it's important to think about what is the nature of Christ. And I think Paul's got a great description in the second chapter of Philippians. He starts in verse 5 and he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who in very nature was God did not consider equality with god something to be used to his advantage but instead took the role of a ser- made himself nothing and took the role of a servant and we talked about this a little bit the other night see there's a difference between serving and being a servant you can serve doing what you want to do when you want to do it but a servant does what's needed when it's needed even if it's not something that's particularly palatable to you or something that you want to do Serving also maintains an element of control. When we serve doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, we have control still. And when you're a servant, you give up that control. And the hard part is in our world, we have constant bombardment of media telling us, you deserve to have it your way. Right? Think about these fast food commercials. You deserve to have it your way. Have it your way. And how many of our friends or or people that will encourage us and say, well, you deserve that. And so when we have this, it's difficult to put up that guard and say, no, I don't need to focus on what I deserve. I need to focus on what opportunities are in front of me and how I can take care of what's needed when it's needed and not worry about focusing on my own personal things. Luke goes on to, um, well, first let me say uh, that as we struggle with this, um, we're not the only ones. Even the disciples were not immune to this kind of a struggle. You know, We, we know the story about how the, the disciples were arguing amongst themselves over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't enough to be in heaven, but they wanted to be the greatest. See, it was that, that title, that achievement status that the world pushes upon us to drive towards was the same back then in biblical times. And so in Luke, the 22nd chapter, um, it stated, But you are not to be like that. Jesus is instructing His uh, disciples. He says, You are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? Is it the one at the table, or is it the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. See, the very nature of Christ, that nature is the heart of him, is where the, the motivation, the drive, the backbone for everything that he stood for, for everything, every decision that he made, every action that he undertook, was all derived out of the very nature of Christ. And I think that that is something that we need to be striving as Christians to emulate as well. I think another example, uh, maybe not just of words, but of action... In carrying this out is when uh, Jesus does the foot washing of the disciples. See, in that time, uh, biblical times, we had people walking around in sandals, and I'm telling you, there were no, you know, very few street sweepers at that time. You know, the streets were dirty and probably full of animal dung and, and mud and everything, and so people's feet would come into the household to be very dirty. And that role. Of washing it was very common for a household to wash the feet of a guest that came in, but that role was a very low class role, and that was typically reserved for the lowest ranking servant in the household. That's where you started. Your minimum wage was foot washer. That's where you started, and so keep that in mind as you think about Jesus going around to his disciples and offering to wash their feet, and how that. Demonstrated himself lowering to that of a servant, even to the, some of the disciples objecting to that. And so that, again, I think is an action where he's demonstrating a great example to us to not just serve, but to be a servant. I went to a public school in Vancouver, Washington, where I grew up, and it was just a fairly average school. I don't think there's anything super special about it. Um, and I had, through my education, probably uh, similar experiences to a lot of you. I had some teachers that were really good, and I had some teachers that were not so good. I had some teachers that really made an impact on me, and I had some teachers who were just kind of watching the clock, you know, checking in their time, getting ready for retirement. But in third grade, I had not just a good teacher, I had an exceptional teacher. And her name was Miss Sue. She was phenomenal. Um, and we, we really liked her. I really liked her at the time. Uh, But it was later on that I realized just how special she was. She was the kind of teacher that um, she would do uh, an overnight camp out at her house uh, during the school year for her entire class. Can you imagine a whole classroom of third graders camping out in the yard at your house? I mean, what teacher does this? But she did, and it was a lot of fun, I remember. She also, on nice days, periodically, would take us out of class, and we would There was a little nature area near our school and we could walk down this nature trail and get down by this creek and we don't have water moccasins and stuff there. So we could take our shoes off and kind of roll up our pant legs and walk around in the creek and skip stones and we just had a really great time with with Miss Sue. She um, was just a fun teacher and that's how we saw her. Another fun activity that we did in her class is we had this thing called circle time. And uh, once a week we would have circle time and we would go sit uh, in the corner of the room and, and on this blackboard near this corner was a subject that would be written on that blackboard and it was something we were going to discuss that day. So we'd sit in a circle and we would we, talk about the topic that was there and it could be current events or something going on in our families or something like that. And It was just a great way to process life with this teacher. And so one day it was circle time, and and Miss Sue asked us to go over and get in the circle. And as we walked over there, I noticed there's nothing written on the board. And Miss Sue asked us to sit in the circle, and and she said, Now I want you guys to take all of your shoes and socks off and sit quietly, and I'll be right back. And so Miss Sue went over to the cupboard, and she pulled out of the cupboard a basin, and she filled it up in the sink, and she grabbed a towel out of the cupboard, and she walked over to our circle. And without saying a word, she went around to each one of us third grade students sitting there quietly and she washed each of our feet. She bent down, gently grabbed our feet and washed and then dried off each one of the students in the class as who we went around. She didn't say one word the entire time. And it was a really powerful movement uh, moment. I have to tell you, at the time... I knew it was something exceptional, but I didn't realize how exceptional it was until later on. But what I did know at that time is that Miss Sue was doing this because she was demonstrating to us that she loved us. And that she was, what she was doing was serving us as a servant. And her title and her position gave her authority to use intimidation... She could have used a stick. Back in those days, paddles were still okay. She could have used these other different techniques to impart her responsibility or or carry out her responsibility of parting knowledge upon us. But instead, she lowered herself to that of a servant, disregarded her title, the rights that it gave her in this world, and she served us as a servant. We knew from that day forward, whatever Miss Sue told us, whatever she was instructing us, That was for our benefit. It had nothing to do for her personal gain. Miss Sue had the heart of a servant. This church has got a great reputation of serving as well. Uh, I've mentioned to several and to Pastor Neil that... um, I've been really impressed with the number of people that are attending your missions conferences. For the size of your congregation, the missions event is, is disproportionately large. I mean, you have a large number of people that are attending that for the size of your congregation. That is not the norm as I travel around, and I want to congratulate you on that continued emphasis, emphasis of outreach. Um, Also, your faith promise budget is significant for the size of your church. The impact that you're having with that is really quite large. And and the ministries that we, we heard about from Dave and Barbara Miller and... And also uh, with the Kreitzers and and with Carvin Adams and other people, Children of Promise, uh, really have an impact around. And so this church has got a great reputation. It's been exciting for me to come down and meet some of you and to be able to now kind of personalize the stories uh, that I've heard about Cypress Street. And it reminds me of 1 Peter 4.10 where it tells us each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You see, the heart of a servant has got to step out in faith. This morning I shared a story about my own call to missions and how I just I thought there's no possible way that I could go be a missionary somewhere. And I was so worried about the obstacles that I saw in my path to doing that. And when I was encouraged and advised and followed that advice to step out in faith, how amazing that each of those obstacles as I came to him, God just removed them in a way that could only be divinely done. no, no Nothing that could be done by man. And so in the same way, when we have the heart of a servant, when we have the nature of Christ inside of us, we have to be willing to step out in faith Even if we don't know how we're going to get past obstacles or what kind of impact our actions are going to have or our giving or our prayer are going to have on the kingdom ministry, we have to be courageous and step out in faith. And that's our part. I want to share with you a few stories this morning about people who have stepped out in faith and the impact that their faith has had on the kingdom. Back in the 90s, there was an electrical engineer by the name of Steve. Uh, lived in Washington State, and their church was going on a short-term mission trip to uh, Tanzania. And when uh, he heard about this trip, as an electrical engineer, he kind of looked and and thought, well, there's nothing really for me to do. There's no electrical engineering tasks, uh, per se, on the list. But as he prayed about it, he felt like the Lord was leading him to go on this. And so he signed up for the trip and, and he went off and, and lo and behold, the job that they had for this electrical engineer to do was painting classroom buildings. And you could think that while well, that seems like a very minor kind of a thing, kind of a, kind of maybe below his skill level, but Steve just said, no, I'm I'm here to serve in whatever's needed, and if what's what's needed is to paint the inside of classroom buildings and I'm gonna paint them. And so he was painting these classroom buildings joyfully, and, and there was a young Bible school student that was after class hours was coming and and, uh, kind of building relationship with some of these work campers. And so this one Bible school student, his name is Abednego, and he came and befriended Steve. and, And he was asking Steve, well, how long have you been a painter? Steve said, I'm actually not a painter. Uh, and he said, well, well, how'd you learn how to paint? And he said, well, I think my dad just handed me a brush and said, started painting. But uh, over the years, of course, learned uh, some more skills. And so what Steve noticed is that was genuinely interested in learning how to paint. This was something that most Tanzanians can't afford paint. It's a luxury. And so it's just not an experience that everybody has like we probably have in our Western world. So Steve took some time and showed how to how to cut a line or how to mix paint well, how to clean the brushes well, how to estimate how much paint was going to use this, how to let it dry between the coats, what best paint to use on the walls versus the ceiling, just things like that that to anyone in this room would be very basic common knowledge. And so Steve... Worked with Abendego for the week and a half or so that he was there and, and uh, enjoyed that relationship. And the classrooms got painted. And so Steve left and went back to the United States. And he felt good about the work that he had done. But I don't think, I know that Steve did not realize the full impact of his actions. You see, that young student, Abendego, finished the Bible school. And while he got done, he started pastoring. And he has uh, four children and he was really struggling on being able to pay for school fees to get his children into school and so Abendego took the skills he had learned from Steve and he started moonlighting as a painter and so he was able to go around with just the few skills that Steve had almost unconsciously imparted upon Abendego and he's been able to put all four of his children through school with the skills of painting that somebody came out that Steve came out and imparted on him Steve had no idea how significant that would be. But he knew that the Lord was calling him and telling him yes, affirming that he should go and that he should contribute there. And he didn't feel like the tasks that were given to him were underneath him, but something that he should carry out and just leave it up to the Lord to germinate those seeds and see what happened. And I'm telling you, Steve's faith of stepping out has had a significant impact on Abendigo's family and on his children. Another case that happened is, we had a, well, while Kelly and I were serving in Tanzania, we had a group come out uh, that wanted to do some medical missions. And I had never done a medical missions group before. That's not my background. And so I was a little bit apprehensive and even thought about not doing it. And uh, as I talked with this group, um, they had one medical doctor and four registered nurses that were all available to come out in one group. And, and so as we prayed about this, Kelly and I thought, you know, this, for the Lord telling us, if... This, that this cannot be contained, this opportunity can't be contained by our experience. And that if people with medical skills need feel like they're supposed to come out, we need to open that door. And so we did, and they came out. And what we did is we just had them do some general checkups at the Aldersgate School. And so as they came through the Aldersgate School, um, they were doing eye screening and and just a general checkup on the students. And everything was looking pretty good. And we were able to get prescriptions for some kids for eyeglasses and some things like that. But we had one young girl who just wasn't feeling very good. And we had thought she'd been struggling with typhoid maybe or maybe malaria for for a while. And so she came through and as the doctor listened uh, and examined, she heard uh, a heart murmur. And come to find out uh, this girl's medical illnesses and her sicknesses, were because she had a hole in her heart. And we didn't know that. And so we had been, the doctors locally had been treating her with all these drugs that weren't even affecting what has happened. And so we were able to get uh, that girl medical treatment and surgery. And she lived and survived because of a group that had come out, stepped out in faith, and didn't know what kind of impact they would have in the area. Um, And because we had stepped out in faith and opened the door for them to come, she was able to live from that. And, uh, and so that's a big case, stepping out in faith and the impact that it can have. Last story I want to share with you uh, is about uh, a man named Jerry. And Jerry was uh, a friend of mine. He actually was a, a work colleague when I was doing electrical construction. And he was a maintenance uh, manager uh, of a large uh, gas company. And he was a metal fabricator, a welder by trade. And Jerry and his wife were new Christians, brand new to the faith. And we had developed a relationship with them. And, and so when the Vancouver Church uh, asked me to lead a work camp to Tanzania, this was prior to my wife and I moving there, um, we started kind of advertising about the group and started uh, having people sign up for it. And I knew Jerry and his wife, Gail, loved to travel. And I thought, you know, there, I think a mission trip would be great for them. So I went and talked with him about the trip, and, and he was very turned off by it. He said, I, you know, we're brand new. We're baby Christians. What could we possibly do on a mission trip? Like, that's, that's, that's a lot for us. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I think it could work out, but I, I want you to pray about it. And he said, Okay. And so then the practical answers or questions came. He said, Well, what project are you going to do? And I said, Well, the, the school has actually asked us to come build a playground set for the school. There's a lot of scientific study that talks about students that have constructive play area are able to get their energy out, and then they do better in the classrooms because they're not as uh, antsy and, and they don't have energy, that energy has been burned off. So they want a playground set built at the school. And he said, "Well, and so we're going to build it out of these eucalyptus logs that are that are typically available in the area, readily available." And he said, "Well, I'm a metal fabricator by trade. i have not really worked with wood much. I'm not sure that I would be much help." And I said, "Jerry, don't focus on these things. Focus if God you're feeling like God's calling you to go. So go. You know, pray about it with your wife and, and let me know." And so a couple of weeks went by, and I got a phone call from Jerry, and he said. I don't know why, but we both feel like the Lord's telling us to go on this trip. I said, great. So we got him signed up, and this is probably six months out from the trip going. Got him signed up and ready to go, and we have been meeting as a group and doing our pre-field training, and about a week and a half before we're supposed to depart for Tanzania, I got a phone call from the missionary, and he said, Ben, we've got a problem. I said, what is it? He said I went to go buy all the supplies for the playground equipment and there is no eucalyptus logs to be found. In fact, I can't get any wood. There's something weird with timber right now and the Department of Forestry is not letting them cut. And so there's a big shortage and I don't I don't have any wood to build the playground structure when you guys come in a week and a half. I said, "Oh man, that's what are we going to do?" And he said, "Well, while I was there, I was looking around at the different shops and one shop just had a big truck full of steel pipe come in. And he said, we, I think we might be able to build this playground structure out of steel. He says, do you have anybody in your group that has any metal fabrication or welding experience? And I said, yeah, I think we can handle that. And see, at that moment, so I got off the phone with him and I called Jerry and I said, Jerry, you know, you were wondering why the Lord was asking you to go on this trip. And I said... I can tell you right now why you're supposed to go. And so we, we went on this trip, and this big playground structure was built, and, and uh, it was a big rejoicing. Jerry played a very, very key part in that being able to take place. But you know, logistically, if a week and a half before a trip had come and we had started to look for a metal fabricator to go, there's no way that that would have happened. It only happened because Jerry stepped out in faith. He released his control... And said, if this is where I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to go, I'm going to go. And if I'm going to leave it up to Him, to determine how big of a difference uh, takes place. And the difference is significant. When we have the heart of a servant, when we follow the model of Christ, and we step out in faith and allow God to have that big impact, the kingdom impact is significant. And so today I want to encourage you to step out in faith. Take risks and to pursue God and to love like Jesus. Today, I want to encourage you to step out and pray, Step out in faith and pray for the missionaries and pray for the ministries that are going on around the world. There's so many uh, great activities going on and so many struggles at the same time that we need to cover them in prayer. And so I ask you to step out in faith, even if you don't know the exact things that are going on, and pray for them. And then the second one would be to step out in faith, seek the Holy Spirit's leading, and to support the faith promise financially. This church has had a significant impact through their faith promise giving around the world. And so I encourage you, pray about this, and step out in faith, even if you don't know how these funds are going to come about. How, are we going to, how is this going to happen in our budget that's already so tight? Step out in faith and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And know that God's got a plan for this. How those funds are going to come about. And how they're going to impact the kingdom significantly. And thirdly, I want to encourage you to step out in faith. And to commit to regular service in the community. Or in this church. Or even around the world. Find a ministry of passion that the Holy Spirit is leading you to. And even if you don't know how you're going to find time to do that. Step out in faith and engage in uh, a service opportunity Step out in faith and go on a short term uh, Mission trip somewhere around the world Step out in faith And bring up conversation with that coworker That the Holy Spirit's just been nudging you To say something to But you've been worried How will I have the words Where is this going to lead Step out in faith and know that if the Holy Spirit Is pushing you for this That the Holy Spirit has the plan taken care of We don't have to worry about the plan Or how it's going to take place our parts have the courage to step out in faith and to make that happen. The heart of a servant steps out in faith, releases control, and allows God to make a difference through them. Because we want to take risks to pursue God and to love like Jesus. Because as Christians, our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ who in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but instead made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Let's pray. Father, today, what a blessing it's been to gather as a body of believers in this house of yours. Lord, we know the church is not a building, but the church is this body of believers, and so we're so thankful for the opportunity to come together and for the inroads that you provide there. Lord, what a blessing it's been um, to be with these uh, great brothers and sisters in Christ during this week and to be encouraged by their faith and their ongoing commitment, the great legacy of this church, and making a difference by putting other people's needs above their own. Lord, today I pray that you give us the heart of a servant to not just think how can we serve in something that's convenient for us and to maintain control. But how can we be a servant following the model of Jesus to release control, to not focus on what we think or what we're told we deserve, or maybe what our title benefits us, but to do what's needed when it's needed, even if it's not something that sounds uh, palatable at the time? Lord, give us that heart. Change our nature. Give us the nature of Jesus so that. Our actions, our words, things that we prioritize are automatically done as that of a follower of you, Jesus. And so today, as we contemplate our faith promise, I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak and to guide and direct us. And for us to have the courage to follow that leading. And not to worry about how it's going to come about or what impact this could possibly have. Because we're going to release control, Lord, and know that you have this planned out already. We love you, Jesus, and we pray that you guide and direct all that we do, and that our actions would glorify your name. Amen.
0: You can have a seat. And uh, do we have a total? We do. All right. Awesome. Anyone want to do a drum roll or something? Jeb, you got a drum roll. <laughs> $31,126. Let's give God round of applause that is awesome and we are uh, excited to share with you throughout the year uh what god is doing through your faithful giving and and we love getting reports back from ministry partners like i say here and around the world about uh, what god's doing through your giving and so uh, just thank you so much for year after year continuing to um outdo yourself in generosity uh, and, and how could we do anything else considering how generous Christ has been to us and so we, we just do it in return uh, what we want to do to end our service here today is kind of like every year we, we have our guests come up and, and we just want to um, not only express our thanks for him but kind of give him a send off prayer if you will so I'm going to ask uh, Ben to come up and, and our leadership team and anyone who would like to pray with us uh, and and we'll just kind of lay hands on them. So come on down, everybody who wants to be uh, up here and 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 praying for him today. And and we'll commit to uh, continuing to pray for him as well. And and we want to give you this as well, just an expression of gratitude for all the work you've put in this week to be with us. And thank
3: you very much. I didn't expect that, but I thank you. And I'll take a prayer for
0: sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's gather around Ben, and we'll uh, pray for him and the Church of God Ministries. Here and around the world, Father, we thank you so much for just the opportunity to spend time with this Your servant this weekend, and we thank you for His humble heart and for His uh, the vision that You've given Him for global strategy as they try to seek and do uh, kingdom work around the world and to advance Your kingdom around the world and to make Jesus the subject around the world and even the darkest corners of the world. And it's a daunting job, and it's a job that, like Ben said, is too big for any one person to undertake. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to empower him and his team as they strive to do this work that is so important in the world. Today And as they strive to make a difference in people's lives and to change the world in the name of Jesus, they'll need your Holy Spirit. So we ask that you'd send it in a powerful way. We pray that for the entire executive team in Anderson, that they would lead us boldly and with great wisdom and discernment that comes only from you. And we pray uh, that as he goes back to his family, you'd bless them and uh, and encourage them, his wife and his three boys, and, and that your hand of blessing and provision would continue to be on their family as they strive to serve you in everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.